I'd like to welcome you to worship this evening. Our custom here at First Baptist is invite everyone to register their attendance tonight. If you take your bulletin and simply tear it off and uh, sign your name. And if you're a guest, please fill out all the information so we'll have a record of your visit. If you have a uh, particular prayer request tonight, we have a prayer team uh, right over here in our prayer room. If you'd fill out that prayer request, our ushers, when they collect the offering in a little while, will take that prayer request and take it to the prayer room if you have a prayer burden tonight um, we'd like to encourage you to to do that in a moment we'll greet one another but before that let me just highlight a couple quick announcements this tuesday we'll begin uh faith outreach it's our evangelism strategy for our sunday school and that'll have two opportunities at 10 a.m in the morning over in the flc patio room and then at 5 30 p.m uh, we'll have also faith and that begins tuesday believe it or not uh First Baptist Church has been doing faith for over 12 years, and uh, that's amazing in, in light of uh, trends in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's just unique, and it's wonderful, and we are excited. We've typically had, I don't know, 30 to 40 people participating every semester. So let me just encourage you, if you'd like to learn how to share your faith, come and, and participate. If you're interested in helping your Sunday school class grow, uh, come and participate. Also, um, next Sunday is Sunday School Promotion Sunday, and uh, our young people are real excited. Today they had the opportunity to go and visit uh, their future class that they'll be promoted to next week. And uh, so we look forward to celebrating with our, our young people as they uh, promote up. And, and uh, next week also is going to be our, um, we'll begin some mission reports in our Sunday evening service. We'll hear from the Guatemala Mission Team and the Marietta Mission Team, some exciting things that God did this summer as, as they were serving. Of course, um, what is next Sunday night, uh, Pastor? 
Exactly. I was just making sure he remembered. Next Sunday night, we will have our annual homemade ice cream fellowship. And uh, you're invited to uh, prepare a churn of homemade ice cream and join all of us as we'll, after the evening service, we'll, we'll gather together and, and just have a wonderful time. So if you can prepare a churn, please contact uh, Mark or Becky in the Family Life Center and they would, they would love to know because they're getting a, a count of those. We are delighted you're here tonight. We're going to take the opportunity just to, to greet one another. So let me invite everyone just to, to stand right where you are and turn to those who are around you and make everybody just feel welcome tonight as we worship together. in your hymnal. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. seated. How are y'all this evening? Good, good. You look perky, which is good for a, an evening worship service. Let me uh, talk about some prayer needs that we have as we continue our worship this evening. Hospitalized church members include uh, Mary Frances Price, continue to recover from surgery, and also Dorothy Crownover is in the hospital now. At home, or um, in assisted living, let's remember Fred Matthews. Uh, Virginia Farmer uh, is home, but not doing well. Mildred Flowers is not doing well. Uh, Kyle Smith will be having surgery at Emory on Tuesday. Let's remember her. Francis Jones will be getting um, some biopsy results back on Wednesday. Brother Ron Lawhon is going to see the doctor tomorrow, and we hope that uh, that follow-up appointment will go well and, and help him continue to improve. Also, uh, Faye Massey's daughter-in-law, Brenda Massey, is in the hospital, and she'll be transferring down to Mayo on Wednesday, perhaps to have surgery on Friday. Congratulations to Brian and Becky Tankersley on the births of a grandson and a granddaughter. Uh, Chaz and L. Tankersley arrived Thursday evening in Athens to Ross and Abby, and we celebrate uh, the arrival of twins with them. 
All right, let's pause and pray for these at this time. Will you bow with me? Father, as we come into your house tonight, we know that you love us and we can trust you and that you're in control and you do all things well. And if you take care of the birds of the air and the the grass of the field, then surely you can take care of us if we'll just trust you and rest in that assurance and that knowledge. We also lift up to you tonight, especially these who are hospitalized, Mary Frances and Miss Dot, and we pray that you will um, continue to bless and heal and strengthen them. Be with all these who are home now and, and uh, not doing well, and we pray that, that your presence and your power will make a, a marked improvement in their lives and things will, will go better for them. We rejoice in the arrival of twins in the Tankersley family for uh, Brian and Becky, their grandchildren. We ask that you would uh, just bless those newborns and, and watch over them. As we rejoice, Father, and and answer prayer as we talked about this morning we give you the glory because of all the good things you have done be with us tonight in worship and open our minds and hearts to greater love and trust in our relationship with you we ask in jesus name amen hymn number 441 is since jesus came into my heart and, you know, I always like to have fun when we sing this hymn, so y'all be ready to hold some notes. Let's stand as we sing. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea mellows roll. those faces up. There's a light in the valley of death now for me since Jesus came into my heart. And the gates of the city beyond I can see since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Came into my heart, lots of joy. 
Join me as we pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us for each family that's represented here. Dear God, we thank you for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. How unworthy we are to receive that grace. Dear God, as we bring our tithes and offerings, we just pray that you will use them to the furtherance of thy kingdom to spread thy word all across this world. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Um, Betsy and David went to vacation Bible school with my sister in Birmingham and came home and um, they had learned Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, and it was David's favorite song, and we'd been singing it all summer in the car with the CD, and so I, I would, told him I wanted them to sing. Well, Jonathan has decided that he would like to sing as well. So if y'all will l l let us do that, we're going to...
about if I just use this one? All right. Well, thank you, Rake Straws. Great job. And that's just a, a, a testimony of, of what kids can learn when you play Christian music in the car or around the house. And, and uh, boy, they just pick it up like a sponge. And uh, I cake. And uh, <laughs> just... Uh, absorb it so young what a great great family thank you Matthew 6 25 through 33 uh, just just a reminder tonight that you don't have to worry you don't have to fret you don't have to run around and and um, be crazy the sermon's entitled don't worry be happy y'all remember that song <laughs> Don't worry. Be happy. Um, I think we actually, Susan and I, I think we were in St. Martin's on a years ago on a cruise, and we actually met the guy that wrote that song, or at least the little stand where he hung out. And he was uh, real laid back, <laughs> just to put it lightly. Matthew 6, 25 through 33. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life and why are you anxious about clothing consider the lilies of the field how they grow they neither toil nor spin yet I tell you even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these but if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow was thrown into the oven will he not much more clothe you O men of little faith therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek all these things. Gentiles was a, a synonym for heathen. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. Let's pray. Father, I guess worry really does reflect a lack of faith because it shows that we don't trust you enough to take care of us. So help us rest this evening in the assurance um, that you love us and that we can trust you and that everything looks differently from the perspective of eternity. Right here, in our own little world, in our own little place, in our own little time. We get so worked up. Help us to, to trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> I heard a story about a man who owns a, an aviary, a bird sanctuary, and he was transporting several cages of birds from Dallas, Texas, up to North Dallas, about 30 miles. And he was driving his truck, and it was an open-ended back truck. 
up the Northwest Expressway about 45 miles an hour, and he looked in his mirror to see a strange sight because most of the birds he was carrying on the back of his truck inside their cages were flapping their wings for all they were worth. They were in their cages, but they were flying against the headwind produced by the forward motion of the truck, and with the wind in their faces, they thought that by flapping their wings, they were really going somewhere. But the reality was, if they had just sat on their perches and been still and quiet, they would have reached their destination just as quickly. And I think there are a lot of similarities between the bird kingdom and our own because we are prone to fly and flit and, and struggle when we really don't have to. And we think if we just flap harder and faster that we'll accomplish something when all we really have to do is just rest in God's presence. But let our schedules get out of kilter and our family pressures get a little heavy and, and in instinctively we feel like we need to start flapping our wings. Let us fall behind in some assignment or hear some bad news and we leave the security of our perch and really think that we can accomplish something if we fight some headwinds. We're so accustomed to agitation that sometimes, even when things are going well, we become seized by the irresistible urge to fly around in a panic. It's called an anxiety attack, and they're becoming common today. We beat our wings and desert the calmness to which God has given us and to which we are entitled. I heard a story about a little boy who ran when he didn't have to. It was a, a story about two little boys who were fishing one day in a public a lake, and lo and behold, a game warden came up. And as soon as the little boys saw the game warden, one of the boys flew, threw his fishing pole down and took off running, and the game warden took off after him. And after a, a few minutes of chasing him, he finally caught the little fella and grabbed him and said, Son, do you have a fishing license? And the little boy said, Yes, sir, I do. And he pulled out of his pocket and showed him the fishing license. And the game warden said, why did you take off running if you have a fishing license? And the boy said, because my friend back there I was fishing with doesn't have one. <laughs> he took off running and he didn't have to. We are a driven people, I guess. We're driven to achieve our dreams, to, to accomplish the American success story, the work ethic, and we're just so afraid to pause long enough to look back, fearful that someone might be gaining on us. I remember so distinctly one, one night studying in the library, and, and Bill and I studied a lot in the library seminary, and a professor, a New Testament professor, came up and said, what are you doing? And I, you know, I told him I was studying, and I was getting ready to take a little study break, and he said, if I were you, I wouldn't take a break. He said, I think I hear the footprints of people behind you catching up. And I'm going, good night. You know, I can't even rest a few minutes in the library. He was, he was one of these professors that was just driving all the time and always afraid that there'd be the footsteps behind you of somebody who's catching you. Maybe the problem is that we lack centeredness, where there is no center, where we are not in touch with ourselves and everything from the outside is able to filter in and pull us in all 
different directions. And uh, as Catherine begins a new chapter in her life, she and I have talked about being centered and the importance of, of a quiet time and the importance of worship and the importance of God in her life if she, if she is to maintain any kind of integrity in herself with the responsibilities that will be pulling her in different directions. We forget that Jesus said, don't be anxious. In other words, he said, don't get your feathers ruffled and beat them against the cages because I'm going to take care of you. God is God. It's as simple as that. Your heavenly Father feeds the birds of the air and he clothes the grass of the field and look what a good job he's done. He knows what we need. So if we'll just seek him first and his kingdom and his righteousness, we'll have everything we need if we trust him enough. Give him control. Surrender the reins of your life to him. Then the anxiety will begin to, to disappear and we no longer have to be anxious about things because God knows what we need. He does like to hear us ask him for those things just like a father likes to hear a child come and express their needs and wants and, and convey that sense of dependence. But God's going to take care of us. Real simple tonight, three points that I hope you'll remember. The first one, God loves us. The second one, we can trust him. And the third one, everything looks different from eternity. But the first thing tonight I want you to know is that God loves you more than you can imagine. Look at what he does for the birds of the air they don't have great complicated environments like ours, and yet somehow they manage to get by pretty well. They don't have barns or storehouses or savings accounts or even truckloads of furniture to, to unpack when they change nests, but they go on living. And you, have you looked at a bird recently, closely? Most of them look pretty happy. Most of them have something to sing about. And that's more than I can say for, for a lot of people. I once uh, stopped to look at um, a hawk circling a majestic swooping flight um, up over some mountains. And, and apparently some air currents were sweeping up and that bird was just soaring. And it looked like fun. And I remember that Jesus spoke of the glory of the birds and that they lived unfettered and free, and I envied that hawk because God takes care of them, just like he takes care of the grass, and the grass withers every season and comes back, and yet look what God is able to do with something that has such a, a short lifespan as that, as that. Don't we know that he loves us more? I think sometimes when things go wrong in our lives, we assume that he has quit caring. But that's not the story. That's not the truth. At least Ann Block didn't think so. She couldn't find happiness. She'd been married several times. She had horrible memories from her childhood. Fights between her parents, her mother threatening her life with a meat knife. As a child, she spent many fearful hours cowering under the bed in her room. And now, rich and widely traveled, yet still miserable. She developed crippling arthritis, and every morning couldn't even brush her own hair, and her daughter had to do it. Well, one day, Ann Block decided to give her life to Jesus and became a Christian. 
and began to grow in the ways of faith. Then one day after her mother had passed away, she screw up the courage to return to her home where she had been raised as a child. And she confronted her past, climbed the stairs to her room and went in and sat down on her bed and remembering the poor child who had spent so many days trembling underneath that bed, she began to cry. And she heard a voice and she said in recounting that story, it felt as if the very arms of God were wrapping them wrapping themselves around her, cradling her as she wept. And the voice said, you don't have to be afraid anymore because I am with you. And she said over the weeks and months that followed, the crippling arthritis began to improve. And she became a whole person once more. And the anxieties went away because the God she knew was a God that loved her. And I'm not saying that arthritis is is psychosomatic. But I am saying there's a lot more to good health than just not being sick. And sometimes, if we trust God, our lives improve in every respect. First of all, I want you to know that God loves you. And secondly, I want you to know that you can trust him. You can trust him. He knows what you need, said Jesus. Don't worry about whether you get it or not. And remember, Jesus ended up dying on a cross. But the disciples who were, uh, who were responsible for writing these gospels that we have of his life so no, saw no contradiction whatsoever between Jesus' advice here to trust God and his death on a cross because they understood that if God is trustworthy, then whether we live or die really doesn't matter. I think of all those stories from the Nazi concentration camps, or death camps as they really call them, of the woman who separated from family and everything she loved, worked loose from her cell wall a piece of chalky stone and used it to mark a large cross on her blanket, and then wrapped herself in the blanket and slept like a baby for the first time, feeling like Jesus' arms were around her. Or of the young lady who was sentenced to die before a firing squad, ate her last meal and walked bravely through the vaulted gallery to the courtyard, reciting the Apostles' Creed at the top of her voice, words echoing down the hallways of eternity, quoting Job, saying, Though he slay me, yet will I love him. When all is said and done, that really is what it comes down to, isn't it? Either we trust him or we don't. Either we trust him Well, we don't. It's pretty much as simple as that. And there's really no sitting on the fence between those two alternatives. Either you trust him or you don't. An elderly man was diagnosed with terminal cancer that was growing rapidly inside his body. I interrupted him one afternoon in his nap on the living room sofa. And he was still running his hand through his hair and getting his bearings. And he said this. He said, it's, he said, it's like this. I praised him in the good times. I guess I can praise him in the bad. He had learned how, how to quit flying around when you don't have to because he knew he could trust him in life and in death because God loves us 
and we can trust him, and everything looks different from eternity. Paul wrote in Romans 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us, Romans 8, 18. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will fall into place. For then you'll be seeing things from an eternal perspective. The long look helps us not get so bent out of shape by anxiety over the small things over which we have no control in our daily lives. You know, you hear often people say, um, don't sweat the small stuff. And it's all small stuff. And it really is. A young woman phoned her minister one day to discuss her husband. They had been married all of six months. And she was upset that he had gone to work and came home tired and wouldn't sit up late at night talking to her about uh, things. And, and she perceived that to be a deteriorating marriage. And she was fed up and she was ready to get a divorce. And the minister said, wait a minute. You've got a long way to go. And you haven't been married long enough to be threatening divorce over something as small as this. Think about Jesus in the garden facing the probability that he was about to be taken by force and crucified. It was a real situation, not make-believe. The gospel says it was so real that he sweat drops of blood. It was that real. And after he had prayed and after he had gotten in touch again with the love of God and remembered that he could trust God and, and, and managed to see that all that was about to happen to him against the backdrop of eternity he came out of that garden renewed and refreshed and did not waver one iota during the entire ordeal of the cross that he was about to face. Are you king of the Jews, demanded Pilate. You say that I am, he answered quietly. And while they were crucifying him, he was up there praying for the soldiers who were doing it. Father, forgive them. No flying around when he didn't have to. Quietness, confidence, in touch with God, seeing what was happening from the perspective of eternity. And he said for us to be the same way. When we get worried, when we lose our trust, when we forget that God loves us, go out and look at the birds. Go out and look at the grass and see how beautiful they are and how glorious it is. And then to rest in the sure and certain knowledge that if we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, that everything else will fall into place and we really don't have anything we have to worry about. Because God loves us, and we can trust him, and everything looks different from the perspective of eternity. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O men of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious. And this is just an example of the anxiety. 
What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? You have your own anxious questions. Jesus said, that's like the heathen. That's like, like the Gentiles who have no faith. That's what they seek. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. If you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll provide for you. And if he's going to provide for you, what need is there to worry? God loves you. You can trust him. Everything looks different from the perspective of eternity. Don't worry. Be happy. Shall we pray? God, there are anxious moments. Some every day, some every week, every month, and, and we don't know what to do, and we fuss and fret and run around. And I guess our worry is just a reflection of our lack of faith and trust in you because you promised to take care of us. And we get so caught up in the things of this world and overwrought worrying about them. And I guess we act like unbelievers. So help us instead just to seek you and your kingdom and your righteousness and let everything else fall into place. Take the worry away and replace it with renewed love and trust and the maker of heaven and earth, the caretaker of the birds of the air and the grass of the field, the one who loves us so much more than birds and grass that's going to provide for us richly and abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Of course, in his name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this evening is number 320. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. If you'll do that, all the worry.